0: 102 and today we're going to see the psalmist as we see more than once in the psalms we're going to see the psalmist overwhelmed and afflicted with a great burden and it seems that he's wrestling even with just his days coming to an end it seems that there's a physical mental and spiritual affliction that's upon him and wonderfully we're going to see him bringing his lamentation before the lord pouring it out before god and really the first 11 verses or so are his lament before god it's we 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 get in this translation in new king james his complaint but it's really more it's his contemplation it's his burden pouring it out before god almighty and there's a lot we'll glean from that praise god We have a Lord that says, you know, come cast your cares upon me and come bring your lament before me and come and lay those burdens at my feet. And praise God, though, it doesn't stop there. It's not just a matter of laying down your burden, because if you just lay down your yoke and you don't take up the yoke of the Lord, you know, what happens real quick. You pick your burden back up. Anyone ever do that before? And we're going to see him laying down his burden and. And then coming to verse 12, we're going to see, in my opinion, the greatest words in the Bible, but you, O Lord. You know, we have all this stuff going on, but the Lord, or but you, O Lord. And we're going to see him turning to the greatness of God and going from a place of laying down his burden in despair to having his heart filled with hope and with relief as he Looks to the Lord for strength and recounts the greatness of God and gets proper perspective on everything. And again, great instruction because we're going to have afflictions and burdens and trials and tribulations. He mentions the day of trouble here. There's days of trouble, are there not? Seasons of trouble. Again, he uses the word afflicted and overwhelmed. And yet, but you, O oh Lord. And I titled the message this morning, But You, O oh Lord. Let's. We got a lot of verses here this morning, and I'm not going to read the the full text together. We'll make our way down. Uh, This psalm has an introduction, and we'll start there and then begin to go through this. And I pray we leave here encouraged and even more equipped and with a greater knowledge of our awesome God and the great love He has for us and the call He has to us to lay these burdens before Him, to bring our emotions and feelings, but then the instruction then to turn to Him. And to take those emotions and feelings and filter them through the truth of God Almighty. Notice the, the introduction or the title here in Psalm 102. It says, a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and pours out his complaint before the Lord. Now, the word afflicted here means one that's humbled, one that's lowly, one that's needy, one that is poor of spirit. They're in a great place of want. They're recognizing that, you know, in their affliction, the the, the affliction is so great for them, it has put them in a place of recognizing they need help outside of themselves. There's not an arrogance or a pride here of, you know, I'm going to handle it or take it upon myself. They've come to a place of brokenness. The word overwhelmed here, it means to, to, to fail or to faint. It means to be feeble, swoon. It means to be covered with darkness. And I think of the picture of, you know, at a, a, a wave coming in and just consuming you, you know. Or even as it's coming in, the shadow of it, you know, at casting down upon you and just knocking you off of your feet. Knocking you down. And the psalmist is in that place, you know, in, in the midst of his heart. Have you ever been there before? Maybe you're there this morning. Uh, There's sometimes we read these Psalms and, boy, I'm in that place right now. Sometimes we read them and we say, that's where I was. And sometimes we read them and we need to take note because it might be where we are tomorrow. And so it's instruction for all of us this morning, no matter where we are practically and internally in our lives. Notice, I love it, he pours out his complaint. And again, the word complaint here, it's a little misleading. I think when we think of complaint, oftentimes we can think of an anger or a shaking of the fist before God. I got a complaint, you know. And um, we'll talk a little bit more of that in a minute because, listen, if we got a chip down, a chip on our shoulder, we need to lay it down. We don't come before the Lord with pride. And if we are coming, wanting to shake our fist, it better be with the realization that we're deserving of hell and our sin, and he is the potter, and we are the clay and yet there's a lot of it today boy there, there's a lot of self righteousness in the world, and sadly a lot of self righteousness in the church that's come in a lot of chippy people run around you, you you run into anyone that's chippy nowadays that that feel they're justified in you know at bringing judgment against God and really you know bringing an unrighteous judgment against so many around them based on their own self-righteous view of themselves through their actions or thoughts or behaviors and so forth and that's that's not what this is this this word "complain" it really means contemplation it's a picture of him bringing what's on his heart and his mind before god it, it, in fact it means an utterance or a babbling and i like that because Listen, in my life, there's times I get afflicted and feel overwhelmed. And happens quite often, actually. And oftentimes in that place, when I go before the Lord, I can't even always necessarily pinpoint that affliction and, you know the, the, what, where, where I'm or how I'm even being overwhelmed. And I'm just going before the Lord kind of babbling, you know. <laughs> I mean, I want to make sense, and I'm trying to make sense. But oftentimes it's just an utterance, Lord, I'm, I'm overwhelmed and afflicted. And God, I'm trying to figure this out. Sometimes it's just a thing of, I don't even know why I feel overwhelmed. Any of you wrestling with that? Or in that place of, man, I just feel afflicted. And sometimes that has to do with the spiritual realm. And, you know, it's spiritual warfare. And then there's other times when we know right with that, where that thorn is and, and, and where it's needling us. And, you know, We can specifically bring it before God, but you know what, I rejoice because contemplation means, you know what, a thought that we have and then a babbling is more of, Lord, I don't know really what this is, but I'm going to bring an utterance before you. I'm going to voice it to you, God. You know it all. There's nothing that escapes you. And really in verse 3 through 11, really it's probably one down through 11, we're going to see him. Going into more of a description of, again, this affliction, this, you know, thing that's overwhelmed him. And we don't know exactly what it is, but it seems that it alludes to, again, the shortness of his day. It seems that it alludes to a man who's recognizing he's at the end of his time here on earth. And he's wrestling with that and so forth and struggling with it and yet bringing it before God Almighty. And that's what God's called us to do. And He hasn't called us to keep these things in. He hasn't called us to, you know what, in the afflictions and the things that burden us, to carry them along. And oftentimes we foolishly do that instead of bringing them to our God. Listen, Jesus Christ went to the cross to bear the wrath to us of our sin. He bore our shame. And He wants to bear our burdens. Isn't that beautiful and glorious? And this is an instruction to us to come before him honestly and humbly in prayer and communication with the desire to lay down our burden and to lay down our yoke, but it doesn't stop there from there to take up his yoke, because his is light and it's easy. And we get this instruction throughout the word. You know we think of Matthew 11:28, where the Lord said, "Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden." and i'll give you rest that's instruction we want to be walking in on a continual basis i love it he says next take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i'm gentle and lowly in heart you'll find rest for your souls do you need rest for your soul this morning let's go to the lord for that and beautifully it's not just available on sunday mornings when we gather together and have church but it's ongoing and beautifully we have a god that's so awesome and so mighty He says, cast all your cares upon me. And he doesn't just say that, you know, to myself and to you. But he's saying it again to the totality of the body of Christ. Bring them all before me. And hear this this morning. God doesn't need super saints to intercede and help him to bear the load. He's God Almighty. And he's saying, bring it all before me. First Peter 5, 6. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Notice, casting all your care upon him, for he cares about you. Know that this morning, Saint, the Lord cares about you. He's concerned with all of the burden, not just the big burdens, but all of it. All the big things, all the little things, and he's saying, bring it all before me. And we see the psalmist doing that here, setting an example and a teaching for us, of how to go about this practically here in this psalm. And then I love Psalm 55, 22, And we see these types of verses throughout the totality of Scripture. Again, cast your burden on the Lord. And notice, and He shall sustain you. How many times when we get burdens on us like this. And these afflictions and we feel overwhelmed by them. We don't feel like that we can continue on. We don't feel like we can be sustained. And listen, oftentimes outside of the Lord, people can't continue on. But we can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. And the Lord wants us to be learning, to be looking to Him. And even be looking at the pattern of how He sustained us to this day. And know He'll continue to sustain us in the days to come. But it is absolutely necessary that we are casting our cares upon Him. That we're looking to the Lord that absolutely we are remembering in all things, this is what's going on, this what looks like it's forecast to come next, and so forth, but you, O Lord, but you, O Lord. Now notice verse 1, he says, hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. And notice how this starts, it starts with the word, hear. You got to know this morning, and We can see this throughout Scripture. There are some prayers that God does not hear. Do you know that? God does not hear the prayer of the wicked. God does not hear the prayer of the husband who's harsh towards his wife. We read that in the epistles. God does not hear the prayer of the proud. God does not hear the prayer of the person who comes in judgment of God, shaking their fist at God, and trying to villainize the lord and again there's a lot of people that do that outside of the body of christ and there's a lot of bitter christians running around the world today the lord knows their heart whether they know Him or not i don't know how you can know them and continue in such a heart attitude if you really know and understand the gospel that we've transgressed god's law over and over and over again that God is true and I'm a liar and I'm going to come shake my fist to God when I deserve to go to hell. And yet a lot of people take that mindset on. Again, a lot of folks villainize God. You know where that comes from? It comes from the fall in the garden when Satan did what? He villainized God. And whenever you're in that place where you're villainizing God or you're angry at God or you've got a chip against God, you need to know that's not coming from the Holy Spirit. That's coming from the enemy of your soul. The one who said to Adam, did God really say you'll die if you eat of that tree? God knows the day you eat of it, you'll be like God. Dun, dun, dun. God's the bad guy. And you might say, but Steve, you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. Listen, I guarantee you people are going through similar things all around the world. And I'll tell you this. Jesus went through through something far worse than any of it on the cross of Calvary. Not just through the beating at the hand of man, but the wrath of God Almighty do me and you upon himself. God does not hear the cries of the proud, but he hears the prayers of the humble. And this psalmist is overwhelmed and afflicted, and yet he says, hear my prayer, O Lord. And he's coming with humility. Look, at, this is illustrated so clear. In Luke 18, 9, is Jesus gave an account of a Pharisee and a tax collector who were in opposite places in their hearts. Notice it says here, And he or Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Again, I think that's a commentary of much of our culture today. This self-righteousness that is abounding in our culture that moves people to despise others man don't fall into that trap we know that we are saved by grace through faith if self-righteousness has been welling up in your heart because of your position or stance on anything you need to crucify that yes we want to stand in truth represent the truth But we want to represent the truth of Jesus Christ and point people to the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because through that, we'll have love for others, even our sworn enemies, versus despising others. And if you're growing in despising others, it is almost always rooted in self-righteousness. Versus recognizing, I've been forgiven a lifetime of debt. Who am I to despise anybody? But the Lord spoke this parable concerning such. He says, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus, notice here, with himself. He'll say God next, but God is not hearing this prayer. He takes note of it. He knows what's being prayed here. But this guy prayed to himself. He's full of self-righteousness. His God really is himself. And this is the religious guy in in the account here. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. Again, the tax collectors were considered traitors by the Jews. These were other Jews that had joined up with the Romans to collect tax from Jews. And oftentimes they would do that in in an unrighteous way because they would tax for Rome and then they would put a little extra tax for themselves. He says, I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And then notice verse 13. The tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He recognized, you're God. You're holy. I'm a sinner. Who am I to bring a charge against God when in my sin, I'm under condemnation. I want to cry out for mercy. Don't give me what I deserve, God. I need your mercy. You know, you could say this is a really a sinner's prayer. I'll lead them in the sinner's prayer. I, I don't read a sinner's prayer in the Scripture, but I read about guys like this. I read about the thief on the cross who's just crying out, yielded to Christ. Save me, Lord. Save me. I'm a sinner, and you're holy. Meet me where I'm at. And notice what Jesus says in verse 14. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And when you're going through afflictions in life, when you're being overwhelmed by things, do not exalt yourself to the position of trying to bring accusation against God Almighty, but humble yourself. And recognize the fact that you got breath in your lungs and Christ went to the cross to save you should cause you to have your knees buckle and to bring sense to the situation that we are but dust and he's God Almighty. But even all the more rejoice that God says, bring that affliction and bring what overwhelms you to myself. Notice again, hear my prayer, O Lord. And then he says, let my cry come to you. This is a fervent prayer. He's crying out to God. And there's a big difference between the two. I think it's easy for us to fall into patterns of prayer. There's things that are important to us that we pray for every day. And listen, as long as they're important and we're really praying with meeting versus just regurgitating a prayer, that's a fine thing to do. I think that's a way of building memorials before God where we say, Hey, I'm going to, you know what? In my my prayer life, I kind of look at it like I'm I'm a bricklayer. (laughs) And I'm building a memorial before God. And there's certain things I bring before God every single day. And sometimes I bring it with a great passion. And sometimes I just bring it because it's like, I know this needs to be brought before the Lord. But it's easy to fall into a place of just a pattern. and, And we're praying, but we're not praying with a fervency. And I've seen in my life, there's a difference between the two. There's a difference between praying to pray, and again, I'm not discounting that at all. But there are certain times, and I pray that there will be more times, where we pray fervently. Where we really recognize that souls are hanging in the balance. Where we recognize the spiritual battle that's around us. Where we recognize that I got a call to give praise to God in a world where so few give praise to God. I'm going to cry out to Him, Because these are the prayers that are effective and avail of much. James 5, 16. That tells us the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I know last uh, last Saturday night, I'd been you know praying throughout the week for Sunday service, and last Saturday night this hop is oftentimes to myself, my wife on Saturday night we don't get a lot of sleep, and we're like, why is it always on Saturday night? <laughs> I mean, you can do the math there, and uh, I was so tired last Saturday night. And I, I went to bed earlier than I normally do. And I'm thinking, man, I'm going to wake up refreshed. And I laid down. I started falling asleep. And it was like something jerked me out of out of sleep. And immediately I felt great affliction upon my soul. And I knew it was an attack from the enemy. And when that happened, I, I you know, it, it, there were things that were already heavy on my heart and were stirring me. And, and, and I was able still to fall asleep, but I was jerked out. And I thought, I don't know if the Lord jerked me out of the sleep. Or the enemy of my soul jerked me out of my sleep. But I know this. I'm not going to lay here for the next two hours. I'm not going to do that. And instead, I got out of bed and I just got down on my knees and I began to cry out to God. Because I recognized the warfare that was going on. And I began to cry out a fervent prayer before God Almighty. And I'll tell you, last Sunday morning, I saw the Lord answering those prayers because I pray God's doing a great work this morning, but I saw him unfold a great work where there were breakthroughs in so many people's lives. And the Lord just did a phenomenal work to his glory and honor. And he let me see firsthand fervent prayers. I hear them. And so let's be a people that pray fervently, recognizing I'm overwhelmed, I'm burdened, I'm in a spiritual war, but I want to cry it out and bring it before God Almighty. And there's a fervent prayer before us right here. You guys doing all right with the heat? Do we need to turn those fans on? You guys good? Okay. I care about you guys. Verse 2. Do not hide your face from me in the day of trouble. Incline your ear to me in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. Now there's a truth there. Listen, the psalmist feels like God's face is hidden from him, but God's face is never hidden from his sheep, from his sons and daughters. Listen, there's times when we feel that way because we're short-sighted. At times it can seem that way because God has us in a desert place, but hear this, He works in the desert, He works in the fire, and He works in the flood. Sometimes it can feel that way because though we're in the light in Christ, we can be found instead walking in darkness. But the truth is, the Lord absolutely absolutely shines his face upon his people and his hands are extended and beautifully we'll see as the psalmist lays this out his short-sightedness is corrected as he begins to remember but you O lord and his eyes are open to the fact that yes god indeed has his eyes on his people do not hide your face from me in the day of trouble and each day has its own trouble does it not it does even when you're like what a great day that that day had some trouble you were just ignorant and sometimes ignorance, I guess, is a wonderful thing. But there's also days of trouble, are there not? Seasons of trouble. I'd say the last year and a half has been a season of trouble. And I know a lot of people are saying, when's the season gonna tr- of trouble going to come to an end? When's it going to stop? When are we going to go back to normal? I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but probably never. We're probably never going back to that. And that's something that shouldn't overwhelm you or afflict you because we're not going back to that, but we're moving forward in the Lord Jesus Christ. We absolutely are. And I'll tell you, in the midst of all of this, especially even over the last half a year, there's been more than one time I've gone to a store or a place and it will say, you know, an office closed due to a labor shortage, but that's never the case with God Almighty. He's always saying, I'm open, I'm, I'm open for business, for worship. I'm open to intercede. I'm open. Bring your burdens and cast them before me. Isn't that good news this morning? Bring it all before him. Philippians 4, 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God. Listen to that. Hear that? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. That's when you're like, I don't even understand. I have peace when really practically I shouldn't have peace. But I got a piece. It's passing my understanding. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. And hear this, saints. We need to have our hearts and minds guarded more than ever by the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he cries out, incline your ear to me. And praise God. Again, he sees it all and hears it all. Humble and contrite heart. He won't refuse. And then the psalmist says something that we can relate to. And the day I call, answer me speedily. You ever pray and say, oh, Lord, just take your time with this one, you know. Just whenever you get around to it. Don't mind me. I'm down here afflicted and overwhelmed. Just whenever you get. We always say speedily, right? God's time's always perfect. Rest in the Lord. And know this, listen, even as you cry out, speedily get me through this. Is Jesus your Lord and Savior? Can you say amen to that this morning? He's with you right now. <laughs> He's with you in the midst of the fire and in the flood. Now notice three down through eleven. We'll take a verse at a time, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time in this because I want to get to the but you, O Lord. And we got like twenty-eight verses here or so. But verse three, again, he begins to pour out his lament. For my days are consumed like smoke, and my bones are burned like a hearth. Th- this is him saying, my days are like, consumed like smoke. It's the picture of a vapor. It's the vi- p- picture of a shadow. He's saying, my days are flying up. They're just being consumed like smoke. They're just going so fast. And notice the word consume there. They're just getting eaten up. And boy, when man's sitting in the garden and God said, the day you eat of it, you're going to die. He was saying, listen, your time's going to be short. And your days are just going to be eaten up. And the psalmist is wrestling with it. And he builds on this. He says, my bones are burned like a hearth. There's more than one time in the word of God, especially in the Old Testament, where an expression like this is used, where I'm feeling it in my bones. I can relate to that. There's been times I've gone through things and you just feel it to the core of your person, right? Right down in the depths, deep down. This is what he's expressing here. Burn like a hearth, and you think about a hearth over a, over a, over a, over a, a fireplace that it has the markings of fire that's been there. He says, verse four: My heart is stricken, withered like glass or like grass. So I forget to eat my bread. His vigor is withered up, and. Again, this burden is so heavy on him, he's forgetting to eat. And he's probably forgetting to eat because he doesn't have an appetite. You ever go through things that takes your appetite? I think we all have. Don't look at that as a problem. Look at that as a blessing. Because I'll tell you what, especially in those times, we're better off not eating. Turn it into a fast before God Almighty. Humble your heart before him. You know what? Get all your focus upon God Almighty. Verse 5, he says, because of the sound of my groanings, my bones cling to my skin. I'm like a pelican in the wilderness. I'm like an owl in the desert. And it seems through these verses and others, this affliction is not only mentally and spiritually, but it's something that, again, is affecting his health and his body. His bones, his skin, and so forth. And I'll tell you, anxiety and worry, it will affect your body. Listen, in all the things still going on in the world, and all the death count for all these different reasons and so forth, you know still it's up high atop of the mountain, if not on the very top, of something that takes people's lives quicker than anything else. It's anxiety and worry. Even in the midst of everything going on right now, people so worried about getting sick from this, that, or the other, That when they do get sick, the sickness isn't actually the thing that kills them. It's all the worry and anxiety and stress that they walk with through nonstop. That's why the Lord said, don't worry about tomorrow. He wasn't just looking out for our soul, but even looking out for our health. He says, today has enough of its own problems. And then he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's the key in it. And all these other things will be added unto you. God doesn't want you carrying around these burdens. He wants you bringing them at his feet and then taken up the cross and remember my god's on the throne. my god's gonna go before me and i'll tell you worry and anxiety and fear whether we want to recognize it or not oftentimes listen that's us giving praise to the devil that's us giving credibility to the devil satan loves to, for us to have a heart full of fear we're called to fear God, to trust in God, to look to God, and when we're not doing that, we're not trusting God, but instead again, we're paying homage to the image to the to the enemy of our soul. Again, the psalmist in the affliction he he feels lonely like a pelican in the wilderness or an owl in the desert, and I'll tell you that's a life from the devil as well in our flesh. He wants us to think I'm the only one going through this, and yet we're told in the scripture. There's others going through similar afflictions. And he also wants us to think, well, God's not here. God's abandoned me. God never abandons his people. He doesn't. Verse 7, I lie awake. I'm like a sparrow alone on the housetop. And again, so oftentimes when affliction comes in, it makes it difficult to sleep. Listen, Satan is the master night stalker. (laughs) He loves to come in and distill that from us so that even all the more we're worn down that he can try to lean heavy on us. And again, I would just tell you this, that if you can't sleep, that's a call to get up and pray, to cry out to God, to turn your eyes on the Lord. I know yesterday I was so tired and um, I'm like, I, I need to take a nap. I don't take a lot of those you know what nowadays but i'm like i I need to take one right now and i laid there as soon as i shut my eyes man i felt all this affliction coming on me and i've learned again one of the ways to fight that is just i'm just just gonna start praising god and thanking god thank you lord thank you god thank you for this i felt right asleep (laughs) with the intention to and i tell you what like it happened five times about five ten minutes later i woke up like i was a jerk and all this like anxiety and all this stuff tried to come upon me i'm like I thank you, Lord. You're so good to us, God. Fell right asleep. Jerked open again, awaked again. You're so good, God. You're so awesome. Fell back to sleep. Take what the enemy wants to use against you and spin it to the glory of God. (laughs) Verse 8, my enemies reproach me all day long. Those who deride me swear an oath against me. And listen, if you're going to walk with the Lord, you're going to have enemies come against you. And and the world has that. But hopefully when enemies are coming against us, it's because of us walking in righteousness. Hopefully it's a persecution for being followers of Christ instead of being a jerk for Jesus. And I'll tell you the enemy has workers all about some know they are most of them don't know that they're in his camp but these types of folks they always have some sort of beef with someone you, you know such a people they always got their, their social media is always about who their latest beefs with and so forth this is how they operate and the psalmist is in a place where his enemies all of their focus and plotting is against him it's like a full court press he says, they taken an oath against me. And I think back to the book of Acts. Remember those Jews took an oath against Paul. And they said, we're not going to eat or drink until he's dead. They had to break that oath because God had a hedge of protection around them, you know. They might have went wild without food, but eventually they needed to eat. And sometimes, you know what, it, it's the day of trouble where the enemies are round about. And boy. Their plot and their plan, and man, bring that before God. He says in verse 9, I've eaten ash like a bread and mingled my drink with weeping. So this is just something where he can taste the burden in him, and he's just overwhelmed. It's just a, it's a picture of this. This is consuming him physically, mentally, and spiritually. And then 10, he says, because your indignation or your anger and your wrath For you have lifted me up and cast me away. My days are like a shadow that lengthens. I wither away like grass. This is his feelings. I feel like you're angry with me. I feel like your wrath's on me. I feel like you've lifted me up and cast me away. Or you've punted me down the field. My days are like a shadow that lengthens. Again, we know our life's like a shadow. And as a shadow lengthens, it's because the shadow's about to go away. I wither away like grass. And hear this we can express our feelings to God and we should, but it's so important. We don't allow our feelings to become our truth. Then instead, we take our feelings to the truth and then we stand before the truth and we rejoice in what the truth has done for us, Jesus Christ. Because there's a whole different way to look at these first 11 verses. These verse 11 verses, we can relate to them in our trials. But let me tell you, these first 11 verses, they're messianic. This is messianic in the sense of this is a type of prophecy of Christ on the cross. Again, hear my prayer and let my cry come before you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of trouble. Incline your ear in the day that I call. Answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke. My bones are burned like hearth. My heart is stricken and withered like grass. Christ's heart was struck in the garden of Gethsemane when he began to bleed sweat or sweat, sweat blood. The burden began, began to come upon him. Don't hide your face from me. The Father's face was hid from the Son when He was on the cross. He who knew no sin became sin for us. The Father looked away. I forget to eat bread because the sound of my groaning. My bones cling to my skin. I'm like a pelican in the wilderness. I'm an owl in the desert. The Lord hung on that cross alone. I lie awake. I'm like a sparrow alone on a housetop. Notice, my enemies reproach me all day long, even though Guys crucified on the right and left cursed him and brought a reproach against him. The Romans did, the Jews did. They swear an oath against me. They add an oath We're going to kill this guy. I've eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. And then notice verse 10 because your indignation and your wrath, you've lifted me up and cast me away. That's the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. And it wasn't just him feeling that way. The Father's indignation and wrath was poured out on the Son as he was lifted up upon that cross. My days are like a shadow that lengthens. I wither away like grass. No matter what trial and tribulation that you're going through, our Lord can relate. And not only can he relate, listen, he went to the cross for us to bear our burdens, to bear our sorrows, to bear our sin, to make that way of salvation. And listen, if the psalm just ended right here, it'd be tragic. But praise God, it's not the end of it. Notice, notice what comes next in verse twelve. You can say the psalmist, he's brought his thoughts, his situations, his feelings, his complaints before God, and then notice verse 12. But you, O Lord, what are you going through today? What trials are you going through? What affliction. Bring them before God, but then go, but you, O oh Lord, aren't you glad we can say, but you, O oh Lord? But you, O oh Lord. He brought his yoke before God, he's laid it down, but listen, that's good, but it's not good enough. Yes, we want to empty that out and bring it before God, but we want those hands to be filled with something better or something worse may come along and get in those hands. It's like the devil cast out of a house and it gets cleaned up and then nothing comes to live in that house and that spirit goes and gets seven dirty of spirits worse than them and they come and it's worse than it was before we want to lay our burdens down but listen we want to lay those burdens down so our hands are free to do what to take up our cross to follow the lord to lay down our yoke to take up the lord's yoke to lay those burdens down to take up the banner of god on our hands to lay him down to get off standing on the sand to get standing on the rock of our salvation christ but you O lord they're the greatest words in the world Lord, I'm weak. I'm frail. I'm unable. But you, O oh Lord, Lord, I'm full of ex- I'm full of fears and I tremble. But you, O oh Lord, God, I'm full of worries and anxieties. But you, O oh Lord, God, I don't feel like there's any way of escape. I feel locked in. God, I don't know how are we going to survive tomorrow. But you, O oh Lord, God, I'm a sinner. I'm damned to hell. Oh, but you, O oh Lord, but you, O oh Lord, and again he's saying I'm fading like a shadow. My person, even the memory of me, memory of me, but you, O Lord, notice you shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. Indeed, he is everlasting to everlasting. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. And his remembrance again is all generations. I don't know how many generations we are from the time this psalm was written, but it was a lot. And guess what? We're here saying, but you, O Lord, you're awesome. You're good. And I'll tell you, as hard as the enemies of the cross try to wash this world or the remembrance of God, they cannot. And they're trying hard right now. They're trying to scrub Jesus Christ out of everything. And ultimately, listen, it's driving them to a place of depravity and strong delusions. This world is delusional because people don't want to look up and give thanks to God. But hear this, the harder they push against God and his people, The more they work to try to scrub everything of God Almighty. Hear this. The more this world comes against God and the things of God, the more God wants to pour out his spirit upon his people. And hear this. Revivals are rarely birthed in times of comfort. They always come in the midst or always come in the midst of great burdens. Personal revivals and cultural revivals. They come when we come to the end of ourselves and say, I can't do anything else on my own, but you, O oh Lord. God, I spent all my money, all my inheritance on doctors trying to heal me. None of them can. I'm bankrupt. But if I touch the hem of your garment, but you, O oh Lord, we're in a good place this morning. Do you know that? The fire is a good place to be because it makes you cry out, but you, O oh Lord. You will arise, have mercy on Zion for the time to favor her. Yes, the set time has come for your servants, take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. I love it. You will arise and have mercy on Zion and not only on Zion, but listen, God's more into people than places. He's talking about the citizens of Zion. Are you a citizen of Zion this morning? Hebrews twelve twenty two. but you have come to Mount Zion to the city of the living God, to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable amount, company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. Yes, I'm registered in heaven. You're registered in heaven, isn't that awesome? To God, the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. Notice, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, To the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than of Abel. And listen, though we'll all perish here and the memory of us will perish here, we're going to live on in victory with the Lord Jesus Christ as citizens of Zion forever and ever and ever and ever. The psalmist is getting proper perspective. For the time of favor, yes, the set time has come. And listen, in Christ. We have his favor at every turn and every moment, even when it's like bad things are happening. But God works all things for good. (laughs) And I love it. Your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust. When the Lord would tell the disciples to shake the dust off their feet, the Jews knew what that was. And he said, go to this place and share the Lord, the gospel. And if they don't receive it, shake it off. The Jews considered the dust of Gentile nations to be a cursed thing. They're under the curse of God. And when they would shake that dust off, they were saying, you are like unbelieving Gentiles and you're cursed by God. And so when he says here, your servants take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust, they understood what that meant. It was more than just the dust and the stones. It was rejoicing what God had done what God is doing and what God's going to do. It's rejoicing that the temple sat on those stones, that Christ died on those stones, that one of those stones was rolled away. It's rejoicing more so in the chief cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's like I got all of my anguish, all of my burdens, all my anxieties. I'm going to lay them down, but then I'm going to rejoice in the cornerstone, the Lord Jesus Christ. For my life is on the stone. It's on the rock. And hear this, the storms are coming, whether you're on the sand or whether you're on the rock. Do you know that? If you got saved and the guy said, come to Jesus and you'll get, you'll be in the front of every line. You'll get every perk, every benefit. You'll get a little mansion like me. They were lying to you. If God wants to bless you with those things, glory to God. Amen. But listen, he said, the storm comes on the sand and on the rock, but the house built on the sand. It falls and it's a great fall. Most of this world's built on the sand, but the house built on the rock, the storm's going to come and beat on that house, but it will stand because it's a house built on the rock of Jesus Christ. Verse 15 So the nations shall fear the name of the Lord and the kings of the earth your glory, for the Lord shall build up Zion and notice, shall appear in his glory. Dudes get an eternal perspective now. Listen, all these enemies of God. They don't fear God now, but the day is coming when they're going to fear the name of the Lord. All the kings of the earth are going to fear God and give God glory. We looked at a little bit of this last week, or Wednesday night, Revelation 6, that sixth seal. The kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man hid themselves in the caves of the rocks of the mountain, said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne from the wrath of the wrath of the lamb for the great day of his wrath has come and who's able to stand. And he has built up Zion on earth, but more so he's built a heavenly army in Zion and he shall appear really soon. Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of His saints to ex- execute judgment on all book it, write it down. It's happening and it's going to happen The Lord shall appear in his glory. Keep that before you. I feel anxiety. I feel worry. How am I going to have my next meal? How am I going to provide? What's going to happen? God's going to appear in his glory and he's going to go before you. Verse 17, he shall regard the prayer of the destitute and shall not despise their their prayer. Listen, the psalmist, he's, he's getting his feelings checked now with the truth of God's word. Again, God's opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I'm humbling my heart before God, and he's hearing my prayer. Verse 18, this will will be written for the generation to come, that the people yet yet to be created may praise God. Listen, that's a prophecy being fulfilled right now. We weren't around when this was written. And here we are. Here we are all these years later, some twenty five hundred three thousand years later that was written it wasn't just written for them it was written for us and here we are we weren't created now we're created and we're out here doing what praising god god's word is true and there's been no book that has had you know what an effort to try to destroy it like the word of god there's bible book burnings to this day let me tell you i'll give you a quick insight about afghanistan in the Obama administration, there were mission groups that were sending Bibles to soldiers to distribute them amongst the Afghanistan people. And our commander in chief at times said, that can't happen. Do not give these people Bibles because it will end up badly. They're Muslims, don't give them the Bible. All those Bibles that were, sent, were collected, and you know what? They were done not by the Taliban and not by the Afghanistan government, but by the governor, government of the United States. Those Bibles were burned. You can't go and change a culture without the gospel of Jesus Christ. It can't happen. It can't happen. But he hears our prayers. He hears our prayers. This will be written for the generation to come that a people yet created may praise the Lord for he looked down from the height of His sanctuary from the heaven. The Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prison. Aren't you glad he looks down and he hears the groaning of the prisoner to release those appointed to death to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and to praise and his praise in Jerusalem. He looks and he sees our state and in that what did he do? He sent his son. We're all sinners. The wage of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And Christ himself said, I have come to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Again, he was lifted up. He was afflicted. The indignation of wrath was put upon Christ when he was lifted up. Why? So again, what it says here, he can release those appointed to death that they can declare the name of the Lord in Zion. We were appointed to death, but Christ was lifted up and took the wrath to us so that we could be moved into a place of life. You got reason to praise this morning and give, you, give glory to God no matter what you're going through. And let's declare the name of Christ. It's a name above all names. And praise God, whoever calls upon The name of the Lord shall be saved. No partiality with God. Verse 22. We're almost finished here. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdom to serve the Lord, he weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth. The heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. They will grow old like a garment, like a cloak. You will change them, and they will be changed. The psalmist is recognizing listen, everything down here is going to come to an end. My day is going to come to an end. Even the heavens are going to come to an end. This is, listen, everything is decaying. As soon as man sinned, everything came under a curse. It 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 just shreds the idea of evolution that everything's getting better. Everything's getting worse. You buy a new house and it begins falling apart. You don't buy an old house and it begins coming together. You buy a new car, and it gets scratched up, and miles start coming, it starts getting worn down. You don't buy a used car, it's like, it's getting better. The, the, odometer's going backwards, treads coming on the tires. Dude, that scratch disappeared. Oh, but we're evolving and going to a higher level. Dude, common sense shreds that. Well, I got a Ph.D. I don't care what you got. Man, go look at everything around you. It's falling apart, including your body. You're getting old and you're going to die. Older, let's not get there. you know. But praise God, listen. The heaven's growing old like a garment, but God's going to change it. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to have new bodies. Because he was afflicted, and wrath was put upon him when he was lifted up on that cross. And then those 27. All that's the case. Everything down here is coming to an end. My person, the heavens, but you are the same. And your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue and their descendants will be established before you. Again, he continues. He has no end. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as long as he tarries, there will be a next generation that will have knowledge of God Almighty. Just like we do right now. And as he said earlier, those citizens of heaven, those captives that have been set free, those that have been released from the sentence of death that have everlasting life through faith in Christ, we're going to continue on as well in the heavenly Zion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Worship of our God. Oh, Lord, we praise you and give you thanks today, God. Lord, it is true. Lord, there's afflictions in this life. There's burdens. There's times when we feel overwhelmed. And I I thank you, God, that I thank you that, Lord, you're sensitive to those things. I thank you, God, that you don't just say, suck it up. But you say, bring it to me, son. Bring it to me, daughter. Come and lay it at my feet. Cast it on me, all of it, the small, the big, the medium, all of it, cast it upon me. Oh, Lord, let us do that. Let us not just do that, God, at the height. But let us do that, God, when there's bull hills. Well, let us bring it all before you, God. But, Lord, let us dare not shake our fist at you. Let us have proper perspective. And in all of it, in all of it, Lord, in every news report, Lord, at every turn we're Someone's trying to fear to pad their own pocket, which is the bulk of what's going on. in the mist, God, of Satan whispering in our ears, how are you going to survive? How are you going to get through? In the midst of all these sayings, Lord, let us remember but you, O Lord. The Lord, that's how. God is my strength. He's seen me this far. He'll see me through. And I will rejoice in heavenly Zion forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And listen, if You haven't called upon Christ. Today's the day of salvation. Indeed, we're sinners. We're damned to hell. That's bad news. It is horrible news. It's news a lot of people don't want to hear. It's news that's been shared from this pulpit for 25 years that has caused many a person to say, I'm not going back there. I don't want to hear that. I I want to feel good. I want my ears tickled. I want it to be confirmed in my sin. But let me tell you, that confirmation will be short lived because sin, damns souls to hell, God's not bringing rebellion into glory. It's bad news. Oh, but there's good news. Jesus Christ died for your sin and my sin. He died so we could be forgiven. He paid the debt we owed. He rose from the grave and defeated death that whoever calls upon his name will be saved. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Is He your Lord? Is He truly your Lord? don't game play this morning with yourself is Jesus your Lord or do you do as you will what is the matter what is the case of the matter call on him in genuineness and truth and let him meet you where you are at let me tell you not only does he give eternal life he wants to pour out abundant life upon his sheep and he pours it out abundantly not just on the hills but in the valleys not just by the streams but in the deserts we thank you and praise you god we give you glory let's lift our voices to the lord
1: father god my lord my master come and take control Now my heart beats to serve the only Master of my soul. So I'll sing of Your mercy and sing of Your wondrous ways, and I'll sing of how You redeemed me. Get. you're mine.
0: well god bless you today i just encourage you to you know fellowship encourage one another and just pray you have a wonderful day in the lord jesus christ god bless you